0: Hi there, and thanks for joining us on this episode The Car Dealership Marking a Milestone, The Eggman Who Has Grown His Flock, and The Cracks Showing in the Glass Ceiling. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business.
1: Red Business. Cork's exclusive business podcast.
0: Now, we've already started playing our favourite game while driving around as a family, which is spotting the new Regis. Now, I've only seen a handful so far because, for obvious reasons, we're not driving around as much as we would. But there are two one ones out there, and my next guest is responsible for putting a lot of them there. And it's a very big year for his family's company. Uh, John Lahan of McCrew Motors and Lahan Motors. How are you?
2: I'm very well, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on.
0: So, 50 years since McCrew Motors first opened. Now, you weren't around at that stage, I'm presuming, were you?
2: I wasn't, thankfully, no. Um, I. It, it, it was founded by my father and two other gents, uh, John O'Farrell and Micheal McSweeney, in 1971. Uh, it became a Toyota franchise in 1975, and I suppose it's been trading away fairly well since, thankfully. Um, I would have joined us full time in 99 Um so I'm, I'm in the business I suppose 21 going on 22 years and um, would have done summers I suppose when I was a young fellow but um, f- full time from 99 onwards.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it is, a, in many ways, a traditional car sales operation. You have a franchise. Uh, in your case, it's for Toyota and uh, for Lexus, certainly, on the airport road. You sell their cars, but you have to bring your own individual skill and flair to it. I mean, if your dad sold cars, did you get your skill from him? Um,
2: I, I suppose I would have got some skills from him. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether they'd be... <laughs> they wouldn't be what you'd come, you'd come across in a modern day
0: uh, learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, to be fair, the industry has changed a lot over 50 years, hasn't
2: it? It has, yeah, it has, yeah. Um, definitely, the, the, the skill set uh, acquired by him back in the day would have been would have been slightly different. Um, I suppose that my, my background is I'm an accountant by trade, so I would have gone through that that form of training. And when I joined, I, I joined in as accountant, so I wasn't, I suppose, directly involved in the sales day-to-day myself. Um, you know, I'd be selling away to, to, to friends and acquaintances of mine, but um, my my background was more the the, the numbers, I suppose.
0: Oh, I'd I, I much prefer to deal with a salesman than an accountant if I was buying a car. The accountant would give you no leeway whatsoever, uh, and, and negotiation is half the battle. Um, now, we, we'll talk about the current state of play in just a minute, but... But given that the company has been around a long time and is in its second generation, it's weathered storms before. I mean, if it got through the 70s, the 80s, the big crash a decade ago, and now, I mean, you, you've seen it all and you've seen everything that can go wrong in an economy and how to trade through it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I suppose I've always thought of the, the motor industry as as more of an exaggerated form of what goes on in the economy. You know, we we, we just get bigger cycles of, the general economy is so if the economy is going well, we can be going very well. If the economy is going badly, we can be on the floor altogether. So, um, we do seem to, to, to get a more exaggerated form of the cycle. Like, I suppose, yeah, we like the last, the last um crash in 08, like particularly tough in the motor industry. You know, it went from uh, I think in 08, in there was something like 160,000 cars sold in 09, it was. Fifty-five thousand new cars sold. So it was a spectacular crash. Um, mm. So you know, you, you weather something like that, you, you become you become more used to um, tough times, and you can maybe take them in your stride a bit more. Certainly, there's challenges. Now, there's all like I suppose there's always been challenges in the motor industry. There's always changes going on. You know, you'd Brexit. but but there's
0: some there's something different about this though, John, and and it's the fact that it's not everybody has been impacted the same way. Uh, There are people who have worked through and there are people who have a lot of savings. Um, They're just not overly keen on spending them just yet. So has that helped insulate you in some way, knowing that uh, it's not like the last time where everybody was impacted? There are people who want to buy cars. There are people who want to upgrade their cars and they'll be coming through your door again at some stage in the next few months.
2: Yeah, no, definitely that is that is the case. Um, I suppose, like, if we call this lockdown number three, in lockdown number one we were more or less totally shut, and at the time you really didn't know where you were going. You didn't know when you'd be opening again, and you didn't know what level of business you would have. So you know, I was looking at all my used stock, going, "Jesus, what's going to happen with all this?" And we were lucky enough in that we opened, we opened for after sales in the first wave of things coming back on the eighteenth of May. We opened for sales on the 8th of June and once we opened we got very busy very quickly which was uh, reassuring particularly in used cars but I suppose even in new cars we would have had in July where you have your second um, reg plate coming along we would have had a normal July. The only difference really was probably car hire that wasn't there this year and so you know what the decrease you would have seen in the motor industry last year probably wasn't as bad if you took the, the car hire out so definitely um big demand for used cars last year and we we would anticipate that again and like you like you're saying i suppose people do have the few bob they're not booking the holidays um they're not
0: going yeah. out for the
2: for the weekend so um, and, uh,
0: they yeah know. and and the, they might very well decide to upgrade their motor instead the other factors that you you were kind of hinting at there you mentioned the b word uh brexit it's possibly a good thing for you guys because I know from speaking to people in the motor trade, the cars coming in from Britain and we had become a bit of a dumping ground for the diesels they didn't want um, they're all going to be subject now to a lot of extra VAT and other taxes so that, does, are you happy now that 2021 will see the back of that, that you're not going to see massive imports anymore from the UK?
2: Yeah, I think that is the case, Um like there's going to be tariffs on the used cars, even even though the Brexit deal, uh, that was done at the last minute, gets rid of tariffs on most um most custom between the UK and Europe, it doesn't do it on the used cars because they're not seen to be originate. Un, unless the car originates in the UK, it's going to be subject to a 10% tariff, and there's very few cars originating, as in manufactured in the UK so for example a german car or a japanese car that's being imported now from the uk will be subject to 10% tax on top of that, on top of the nox tax so yeah i would think it will it will pretty much do away with imports mm. uh, they had like they've grown they've grown threefold i suppose since 2016 um, i think they'd increased about 140% or something so they'd probably fall back down to maybe what was there maybe in 2015 pre the yeah, the
0: which, which which again is, is, is probably pretty minimal when you think about it. The other massive cultural shift, and I suppose this is probably going to be the defining thing for your industry in the next decade, is the transition away from fossil fuels, burning dead dinosaurs to, to get you from A to B and the transition to electric. Now, uh, one of your brands, Lexus, has been pretty much ahead of the curve on this for quite some time. Toyota is coming along with it now. Are, are we going to see the end of diesel sales this decade, do you think? And and uh, is there a possibility, I mean, I, I think it'll happen, the possibility that it'll happen a little faster than people anticipate right now?
2: Uh, yeah, I think we are, seeing, we are seeing a big shift over towards um, towards. I suppose getting out of diesel really into hybrids and plug-in hybrids and electric, like it can only really happen I suppose as as quick as those products are available. Um, that's going to be the biggest problem. Like, you know, the government were very ambitious by saying a million electric cars by twenty thirty. Like that can't happen because they won't be they won't be supplied in that in those quantities because they they're not being made in those quantities. The components are different. You know, you can't click your fingers and just come up with an electric car just like that and um, so it's going to take it, it will. i think that the customer will shift over but they can only shift over to what's available to, to purchase so i don't think it's going to go full electric that fast i think hybrids uh, and plug-in hybrids are going to be probably the answer in the short term electric will yeah. be a part of it but it's it's still not It's it's going to take a while
0: um, so look, you are entering the fiftieth year. Have you much planned, I mean, it's very hard to plan a birthday of any kind uh, in the current environment. Um, uh, what have you got uh, planned for the next couple of months to celebrate uh, the fiftieth anniversary of crew Motors?
2: Uh, I suppose what we have planned is that we will plan something. <laughs> what it is and when it is, um, we're not. We, we, we'll, we'll write out this uh, for the moment, and I suppose we'll plan maybe when we can have more certainty about what kind of event we can have. But uh, we we'll certainly do something to market because I think it's important to just for 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 the staff and, and uh, the customers just to, to market in some format. But I haven't let my head go, go there yet because, um, you know, it's kind of pointless at the moment, I suppose, when we don't know what, what, what the parameters are.
0: Well, look, keep turning out the 2 211s so uh, my kids will be entertained when we do eventually start driving around again because it, it, it is a fun game. I remember doing it as a child, watching for the new number of plates. Uh, John Lehan uh, of Lehan Motors and McCrew Motors, congratulations on reaching that big milestone. And uh, here's hoping to a good 2021 for you.
2: Thanks a million, Jonathan. And come here if you're looking for a 211, you know where we are. Don't be shy. We look after you.
1: <laughs> Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.
0: Now, my next guest spotted a gap in the market for delivery of farm fresh produce straight to customers' doors, which became rather important in the last 10 months or so as people were not out and about as much as they were before. It's a great story and I'm delighted to be joined by the co-founders of Farmsy, Carmen and Michael O'Sullivan. How are you, lads? And you're very welcome to Red Business.
3: Hi, uh, Jonathan, and Happy New Year, and thanks for having us on the show. Appreciate it.
0: Yes, thanks very
4: much, Jonathan.
0: Delighted to have you on. Now, you're down West Cork, is that right? That's right, yeah. We're just outside Bandon Town. OK, and I, I, it says here, and I'll read it up because it, it, it looks wonderful written down. You, the whole thing began in 2018 when you had three hens and a cockerel. Henrietta, Mrs. Brown, Mags and Willie. Now, uh, you, you've managed to grow uh, the flock a little bit since you had the four of them, haven't you?
3: Absolutely, uh, Jonathan. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, we had an honesty box outside the, the door, and uh, local people were starting to buy eggs off us, and it kind of just grew from there. And um, we got in some more hens then, and um, I started going door to door in King Sale, and people just started buying them off of me and wore them out, got out then, and uh, just basically, I suppose. It took off from there and, you know, it's gone from strength to strength after that.
4: Yeah. And it really took off last year um, when the first lockdown happened. And uh, Michael's eight customers were asking if he was able to source other product po- produce. So uh, we knew some great local producers, uh, vegetable producers and organic meat producers. So we approached them and they were all very, very willing to help us.
0: OK, so you were able to spread that love a little bit. At one stage, you were being referred to as the Eggman, Michael. Now, I don't, I can't tell from here whether you have hair or a hat or what you have, but how did the owl Eggman name sit with you? Ah,
3: oh, yeah, it was, it was kind of cute, I suppose, with the kids saying to their parents when I come to the door and they'd say, the Eggman, the Eggman's outside, the <laughs> Eggman's outside. And, you know, it was sweet, like, and that was before COVID kicked in, like, you know.
0: Yeah, well, you see, we years ago we did have the milkman and we had the breadman, and I, I, we still have the freezer man. I don't know if you have one yourself, a fellow who comes and and sells us frozen food. So the egg man makes sense. Now you you've expanded the flock, as I said. How many laying hens have you got right now, Carmen?
4: Oh, we'd have about a hundred hens now, over a hundred hens, um, and we've added ducks as well. So we're branching into duck eggs. They're they're very popular.
0: Right, and again, I, the management of this—if you had started so small, and it was only two thousand and eighteen, so it's, it's not even three years ago—you'd uh, you, had to build up somewhere to keep them and and make sure they're safe, because I'm sure the foxes of Bandon have you well marked at this stage, or somewhere where there's a good dinner. Did you have to put a lot of uh, of infrastructure in, Michael, and and build a lot?
3: Yeah, we did. Yeah, we had to do chaining, fencing, and stuff like that, and we had to put up a, a shade—you know, a proper a proper poultry shade and. Yeah there's a lot of money gone into it but um yeah it's it's paying dividends now
0: Yeah um let let's talk about the other products that that you're selling on iE. um People really bought into this in the last 12 months. We, we've we kind of fallen back in love with local and the idea of supporting people who are growing things or manufacturing things or making things near us. Carmen, I, the, the timing was bang on for this. What, was it a COVID project or had you got the groundwork laid when COVID hit?
4: We were talking about adding more products to um what Michael was doing, because it made sense, you know, to sell something else, you know, every every time he called to a door, if he had something else to add with the eggs. So we had been talking about it, but it sort of kicked into play when when the lockdown happened and his customers were, you know, in a bit of a bind, having to you know stay in you know um their their kids were at home so it wasn't as easy for them to go to the supermarkets um so so it really came into play uh when when everything locked down last year
0: yeah and, and where what? is everything listed now michael i mean you've the website is ie. what can people find if they go on to it uh so basically you'll find um eggs meat
3: um parsnops, carrots, mixed leaves, uh, microgreens, spinach, uh, cabbage, uh, kale. Um, you'll find but- a butterfly leg of lamb, stewing lamb, uh,
0: starline steak, minced beef, stewing and, beef. And, th- and, and this isn't you going to the supermarket, packing it up and going out. This is all from local suppliers, is it? That's right, Jack. Yeah,
4: so all our meat comes, <clears throat> is organic. It comes from Jew Hello Organic uh, in Bohar Bui and our veg comes from food for humans uh they're in Ballinhassig and also horizon farm outside Kinsale and uh ancient organics and um we get organic potatoes from upper forest organic farm and uh yeah so it's all it's all locally sourced it's it's yeah. all grown on our doorsteps literally and uh, we're just connecting the dots so it makes it easier for producers to connect with consumers.
0: So how, how far do you travel now? Because obviously a delivery service is automatically constrained by the number of delivery people and a geographical area. How far out do you reach? We're, we're
4: currently delivering between Bandon and Bellarney, And we'd cut through kids' sale Carrig Line and uh, Cork City, um, Roaches Town. So it's kind of like a reverse C at the moment.
0: Our route, Michael. They're working you to the bone here. If you're doing all that on your own, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: I, I, I enjoy it. You know, I, I I do enjoy it. You know. So yeah, it's it's going well at the moment. You know, and um, that's good. That's a good thing. You know.
0: Yeah. No. Look, it's it's a great idea um again born out of the simplest of things realizing that you had extra eggs and you wanted to pass them on uh, and and you did it outside in an honesty box and now it's grown into this much bigger business that's supporting other producers the only question i have left for you is what happened to henrietta mrs brown mags and willie are they are they after going the way uh, of the elderly hens and cockerels
4: yeah they've gone to to hen- heaven in heaven. in heaven, yeah. Um. So they lived out their lives here, and um, yeah. They 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 went to heaven. Uh, passed away in their sleep, I suppose. Oh well, there nest. you go.
0: Well, look, we 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 yeah. salute them for for having inspired this business. The website is that's farmsy.ie. That's f a r m s y dot i e. And as you said, delivering everywhere between Bandon. And Blarney, it's been lovely talking to you. Michael and Carmel O'Sullivan, thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Thank, thank you, you, Jonathan.
1: Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork.
0: Now, one of the biggest executive search firms has released figures showing pretty significant developments in the push towards gender equality. It happened during 2020 of all years, the year when it looked like nothing good happened. Maybe something good did with me now is the managing partner at audrey's Bernston ireland mark o'donnell mark how are you great Jonathan. thanks very much hope you're well uh, i'm very well thank you um lots of changes last year the recruitment sector was up and down i mean you guys deal with the top end so the directors on the boards and the chief executives and the c-level officers uh, what kind of a year was it before we get to this particular issue
1: it was a surprising good year, Jonathan, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you know, January, February was, I suppose, pre pre pandemic in Ireland. And then in March, there was a real sense of nervousness about what's going to happen to the market. But uh, we then saw uh, activity held up. Um, organizations outside of maybe a six week period, kind of end of March to April, you know, really picked up. And I had the sense they need to keep growing, keep doing things. So actually, very good year overall, thank God. So um... it, it, it kept up well.
0: Yeah, and and that's good because I suppose a lot of the companies that you're dealing with, the impact was less than it was in other sectors. So obviously retail, hospitality, they all took massive hits. But your bigger companies, your multinationals, your foreign direct investment, they all kind of kept going, which is a real example of this twin track economy that we have right now. Some sectors doing very badly and other sectors not impacted hugely by COVID-19.
1: Yeah, and I'd add to that FNCG organizations as well. That's a significant part of our business and they had a big uptake in business due to food buying, et cetera. So but you're right, hospitality, etc. really was got the real brunt of it. But overall, our client base are the large large corporates, the MNCs, so so they, they, they stayed very robust, I must say.
0: Now the reason we're talking to you today is because this gender Equality issue has been a big problem at the upper echelons of Irish business. So you had the traditional uh, stereotype of the board being pale, male and stale, and arguably in this country, white. There were a lot of changes last year.
1: There was it, it. It's been great. Uh, I, I think you know. There's been a. This has been going the right direction for quite a while now, driven by things like the thirty percent club and other initiatives like that. And we certainly decided to get on board with that a couple of years ago. And we felt that if we're going to get on board, we're going to try and make a real difference. So you know, we started out really trying to make at least all of our shortlist thirty percent female. Uh, And, you know, we've been lucky in that we've gone much further than that now in 2020, which has been great. So it's continuing on that good work.
0: You've managed to put more people into senior director roles and and the pendulum swung. This was the first year ever, I think, that you put more women into those positions than you put men. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really, really interesting stat. So uh, of all our chair and non-exec director placements, which we had a very substantial number last year, 53 percent of them were women. Um, which is fantastic. Now, a a lot of that credit goes to the organizations themselves. They are putting pressure and they're talking to us about making sure their boards are diverse. And then it's our job to find those people to put them on the board. So it's a collaborative effort. uh, And if we do have organizations that maybe aren't aware of that, or maybe it's not top of their agenda, we make sure to inform them. So very, very clear when we're talking to the organizations about working with them that we work on this basis, that at least 30% of our shortlist is going to be female. So it is a collaborative effort, but we're delighted with the results. We really are. Uh,
0: the talent, of course, when you go looking for it, I'm presuming it is abundant. Um, what is it like trying to recruit for those roles? Is it hard to get women to apply for them if they feel that they're still excluded in some way?
1: There, there, there's a couple of things. I, I, I think there, there, there is... The big issue you have is that um, because there hasn't been a lot of females coming through to these non-exec positions, they are lacking a little bit of experience. And what you really need with the client is to say, you know, somebody has to give them a go and put them on a board because they're eminently qualified outside of that. Generally, they have had fantastic careers. They're in senior positions and executive roles. Um, so what you need to do is educate the client as to the capabilities and skill sets they'll bring to the board. So once you do that, and they can clearly demonstrate the skills and capabilities, then the fact they haven't done it before dissipates. And that's really helping, I think. Second of all, I'd say is that I think as a rule in general, right across our business, we do find that men will generally put their hand up for anything. They'll say, yes, we can do it, no problem. Whereas females are more circumspect. They will review the opportunity. They will match their skills. They'll be more deliberate about it. Um, So what we're trying to do is educate females sometimes, say, look, you may not have everything, but that's okay. There may be gaps, that's okay, but you have a lot of other qualities for the role. So it's a bit of an education, a bit of working with the female leaders and also working with the organizations to uh, I suppose, allow the first time female non-exec director to come onto the board.
0: Mm, I mean, your company works in a lot of different markets. Where does Ireland sit um, when it comes to this particular challenge of not having enough female representation on boards or not enough members of the senior management team who are women? Are we, are we better or worse and are we improving?
1: We're definitely improving, and we're about average. I mean, interestingly, if you look at our stat there, which I just said to you, fifty-three percent of our non-exec and chair appointments were female. That compares with the with the current Isaac organisations, which is only twenty-seven percent of them have a female on the board. So, so you know, but but that that is an improvement. So we're about mid-level, Jonathan. We are getting better as an or as a country, no doubt about it. Uh, but there's more to do, I think.
0: Okay. Well, look, there is more to do, and maybe 2021 is the year to do it. Managing partner at Rogers Bernstein Ireland, Mark O'Donnell. Thanks so much for joining us, Mark. Thanks, Jonathan. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget, if you want to get involved, it's Red Business at RedFM.ie. Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one.
1: Red Business, Cork's exclusive
4: business podcast.